0: Welcome to Just Dow It, the podcast for people starting DAOs. I'm Adam Miller and I'm your host. I'm the CEO of MyDAO, which provides legal entity solutions for DAOs. And prior to starting MyDAO, I did consulting for people starting and operating DAOs. This is the second of two episodes this week. In the first, we covered a couple weeks of DAO news with our guest, Nathan Phillips. And now we're going to go deeper into an interview with you, Nathan. So welcome to the show. And for this episode, I'll kick things off with a little bit different of a question for your introduction. Would you tell us all a little bit more about how you got into Web3 and DAOs in the first place?
1: Yeah, uh, about a couple of years ago, early 2020, when the world came to an end, uh, right before that happened, I had just put all of my eggs into a retail basket, launched a brand new uh, business with a partner. Uh, we had barely just taken down a grand opening sign when we had to put the grand closing sign. So I had. Plenty of time by hands. Finally, figured I would get into this whole blockchain cryptocurrency thing that I've been been hearing about, um, and so dug in. And the, the the deeper I went, though, just the more fascinated and interested I became. Um, classic story of you know kicking myself for not getting involved in it years and years ago when I first heard about it. Um, and then my introduction with DAOs came uh, when I started working full time in Web three uh, with a protocol organization. And it was in the process of converting to a DAO. I'd never heard of it before. Um, And again, just the same thing as with Web3 in General. The more I dug into this concept, the more it resonated with me and really just has captured my imagination Um, ever since then. It just spoke to the values that I'd always carried and always felt and believed, but never quite had the vehicle um, to put them into. And, And DAOs just opened that up for me.
0: Mm. So what were some of those things that you've always kind of felt and believed that DAOs give you the opportunity to now express?
1: Uh, Individual autonomy, I think is a really important one. Um, The ability to form groups and organizations of people um, on your own terms, but but between you and whoever's in that organization. Um, And then with crypto, unlocking the incentive uh, mechanism for that uh, blockchain cryptocurrency just unlocks um the ability for people to get value from it beyond uh beyond just kind of i guess the 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 value-based um intrinsic value because i've joined lots of communities i've started um some organizations some volunteer groups i'm still in volunteer groups now and i do it because they're perpetuating values that i believe in whether it's environmental impact uh support groups for people um that's good and like i'm still doing that but having uh the blockchain and cryptocurrency really unlocks that incentive mechanism to add more to it and it gives you a lot more freedom than i think to um for individuals to associate and to um come together and and create something of value that can then perpetuate um beyond maybe just where they are just what that what single value is and it seems to be a way i think that we can i guess another another aspect of DAOs, is one of those original values that really spoke to me is that it's a vehicle to shift the narrative of power, profit, and privilege in our society, Mm. um, which has, I I think, is becoming more entrenched, I would say, at least in Western society, um, because that's what I'm familiar with. Um, Power, profit, and privilege tend to go hand in hand. They seem to be coming a smaller, smaller circle. And DAOs, again, with that incentive mechanism, with the ability for anybody Uh, across the country, across the world to work together towards common values um, opens up the it's completely outside of that narrative. You don't have to be in that game, so to speak in order to be a part of a DAO or to find success within a DAO or to create the world that you want to create. You don't have to, um, as the saying goes you have to do good, earn a lot of money to do well later on. You can do good and do well at the same time from the beginning. Um, And so that's, that's what yeah, I just saw an opportunity that um, I can work towards the things I believe in with people who believe similarly, and I don't have to partake in in you know the the game that uh, is is happening around me.
0: That's really cool. I want to challenge that and see what what your reaction is. Um, I mean, what is it about DAOs that that remove the profit requirement, or or at least the fact that you need money to get started and you need money for your DAO to operate? Doesn't that bring in the same group of people that's always had money and always had power that you need them to to start a successful DAO? Or is there some way around that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say the way around that is um, through DAOs enable people to earn value through their talent, through their abilities, um, through the resources that they have uh, at hand. Um, And so you don't have to bring in, I know not every DAO is structured this way, um, but you can come in as a talented, You know smart individual who can contribute to towards the DAO's mission and you can earn um currency for that you know you can earn things of value in exchange for providing your time your energy your resources and so you don't it's not necessarily a pay-to-play system um it can simply be as simple as spending your time on a computer or even on a phone um contributing towards this overall mission and so the barrier to entry um is much lower, I would say, in many regards than than traditional organizations and institutions.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you. And I actually think there's one very specific reason. Um one 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 really good specific reason why that's the case is you think about equity in a traditional corporation. So like stock, stock options, stuff like that. It's really, really expensive to give stock or stock options to someone, to the point that it is just impractical to say, okay, you're coming into like write this one little algorithm for us or design this one thing or do this one project. We'd call it a bounty in the DAO space. So we'll give you like 150 stock options. It's just prohibitively expensive in terms of paperwork, legal fees, filings, all this stuff to actually do something like that. Let alone, let's say you wanted to give like one stock option to every customer. Like everyone who comes into Starbucks and buys anything gets one stock option in Starbucks. It'd probably cost the company $100 for every single person who walks into Starbucks just to do the paperwork. But now with DAOs and with tokenization, it's practically free to give away something that I know it's not the same as equity, although sometimes it can act like equity, even if it's really money, currency, tokens, governance rights, something else. And just like stock options, you might not know at the beginning if it's going to be valuable, but if you believe in the project, then you might be willing to work just in exchange for that DAO's own native token, their governance token or whatever it is, and it's very easy for the DAO to give those tokens to customers, to people doing bounties, to employees, contractors, investors, everyone involved. Um, and so just the fact that you've taken the concept of giving something like equity and made it like a thousand times cheaper to do, that may be part of what's making it possible for DAOs to work on projects without having to get you know, a VC or a law firm or some other TradFi you know, component involved from the beginning.
1: Yeah. And I, th- I think a, a, another important part of that, too, is that in the traditional startup firm, in order to issue those expensive stock options to involve your attorney, your lawyer, your investors, et cetera, like it's an expensive road to get there. And so that organization then is has a, a very different set of stakeholders um, in it than a DAO has, whereas a DAO, when it's set up, um, decentralized you know, peer to peer organization. They are each other's stakeholders, and so there's much there's a very different dynamic in this in that sense as well. You know, I mean, you're, you're spot on about the lowering of cost to to issue, um, you know, tokens versus like equity in a company, but then the place that it's coming from as well, uh, I would say, is, is very different and, and yeah, you know, an important aspect as well.
0: Yeah, and and I guess too, it also makes it possible to do this. Uh, granting of something like equity anywhere in the world, regardless of the rule of law and the government and the legal system that's in place. You know, there's a lot of places where even if a company said they were giving you stock options, you, you wouldn't really know if you're ever going to get that stock or see anything as a result of that because the entire economy could shift overnight or a government could come in and invalidate or socialize industries. Um, and uh, you don't even know if you can trust the options in the first place. And now with the Dow, anyone in the world can get involved in any DAO project. And if you if that token is given to your wallet, you know you own that token. And that if one day those tokens are worth something, you'll be able to sell your stake. Um, and I think that's, that's really powerful too.
1: It opens up, I mean, I guess, I forget who said it first, but the greatest resource in the world is uh, human ingenuity. Um, our talents, our ability, that's what's the greatest asset resource in the world today. And so having this simpler, quicker, uh, model to, to reward that, um, to, to enable that for people to get into it, um, it's a much simpler path than, than trying to work for stock options or a salary. Um, really, yeah. I mean, we're just at the such early days, so I don't get too ahead of myself, but I'm really excited by it. Yeah,
0: totally. Me too. So tell us a bit more about what projects you're working on right now in the space of web three and DAO's
1: yeah, right now, I um, have a new DAO that I'm forming called Celium. and what Cilium, uh it's still taking shape uh, literally in the very early days, um, but the intent is to help other DAOs learn potential weaknesses um, uh, across different facets of the organization and how to strengthen that. Um, the DAO tooling landscape can be, I mean, it, it's, it's huge and it's often disconnected, so it can be difficult to learn. It'd be difficult to know what's out there um, and also um, how to actually run a DAO, like internal organizations and operations. Um, everyone's doing it a little bit differently. Everyone's learning from each other. But again, it's it's can be, since it's so new, a disconnected space. And there's a lot of, I think, gaps of information out there. So uh, what we're trying to do um, at Celium is learn how to look at a DAO across potentially hundreds of like connections and networking points across it and see what might what's working well, what's not working well, where things could be strengthened um, and where they could be better supported or even just like what needs are are in the space for DAOs right now. Like if, if there's 20 DAOs having the same um, issues, like what tools could we then build or resources could we provide to uh, strengthen the overall ecosystem? Um, so really trying to, to, to figure out, I think, all those different aspects right now um, of, of ways that we can look at a DAO and study how its decentralization is, how its transparency, um, social impact, and then resilience in order to bolster it up and improve it. And, you know, being, being a DAO, being open source and sharing that with others.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I've seen, Nathan, some of your writing and and heard some of your ideas in the past, too. And I I don't know if I've ever seen someone actually who's taking such a thoughtful approach to figuring out what the next big opportunity is in the space of DAOs and and how best to go to go about approaching that. Um, So I'm, I'm definitely a big believer in, in, you know, whatever you guys end up doing at Celium. I'm curious as someone who's been involved in DAOs in the past and is starting a DAO now, what does that mean to start a DAO yourself? Like what, what are the steps you're taking? What, where are you at in that? What's next?
1: Great question. Uh, I am still figuring that out. Um, I've, Helped launch a couple others, um, and they were with a group. It sort of uh, sprung up just in conversation. So uh, I haven't done this, you know, as on my own. I mean, I'm not per se, but you know, it, it kind of feels like that. Um, being a builder, a founder, very early days of something um, often feels alone. But uh, right now, my approach, um, right or wrong, is to I uh, call it the ICD: Invitation, Challenge, and Discovery. I've uh, been in an early form of that like an early loop of that where I invited a bunch of people to talk to me about um, about what's happening in DAOs, things that um, they see happening needs that may be in this space and then trying to publish those discovery results. Um, and so now it would be like another iteration of that loop um, now that I'm finalizing those uh, results doing some more discovery myself talking to others getting feedback on it kind of creating that that endless loop of hmm. invitation, issue a challenge of what we're going to do next and then discovery. And hopefully, I mean, that, that's again, right or wrong. Uh, we'll see as this goes on, but that's the approach that I'm taking right now. Hmm. Um, haven't spun up a discord. So I don't know if I can technically call myself a DAO yet, <laughs> but uh, that should be coming in the next week or two. And then we'll start doing that online a little bit more and more, uh, you know,
0: um, asynchronously. It's a really cool process. Um, it's ICD, right? Invitation, challenge, discovery, Mm-hmm. Um, it, it strikes me as being similar to design thinking, but more engaging and inclusive of the people who you're learning from. So, I don't know, are you familiar with design thinking from the corporate world? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've dabbled in that in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's like, it, it, it it's similar in the way that you're gathering data, but it seems like you're gathering data by inviting people to be part of something, not just saying, Hey, I need to collect some data from you and then I'm going to go figure out what to do with it. Does that seem like a good, uh, good comparison?
1: Yeah. Um, and it started off more like on the design thinking route. Um, i was like had interviews with about a dozen people asking them more or less the same questions to discover the same information um so it was kind of design thinking in the beginning but and this is a challenge i think with DAOs. and one person has an idea they want to start a DAO. how do you transition from one person into into group how do i you know remove myself from like a an assumed leadership role since i'm the one organizing everything right now um and the ICD method is something I learned from someone who worked with uh, decentralized community building um, around the world for about 20, 30 years, um, uh, including at the United Nations for for a couple decades of that. So this is the model that he he used, um, said it, it worked pretty well cross-culturally. So I'm trying to transition from kind of like design thinking where I'm the guy in the front of the room with all the sticky notes, drawing things on the board, to hopefully now... It's just a revolving cast of characters, you know, going up to the board, drawing their thoughts and rearranging and working together. Um, and so, yeah, am just inviting, you know, I need to invite people to get them into the room um, so we can have more than just me standing up in front of it. Cause I don't want to be the only guy standing up in front of it. Uh, you know, I, I need a lot. There's a lot smarter people out there than me and I need them in the room if we're going to you know, do good things. Um, and so inviting them to come in, you know, telling them what we're working on, what the challenges are, they can bring their own challenges to the table too. You know, it's all, pitch in and work on what actually makes the most sense, what's going to be the most helpful. And then whatever comes out of that, we just you know keep iterating and evolving.
0: Very cool. So it's a good lead into the next question, which is what is the most common challenge you've seen DAOs face in their early stages? And maybe that you're expecting that you'll face in your early stages, or maybe you already have. And how would you recommend that people address that challenge when they're starting their own DAOs? Um. Yeah,
1: I think one is the one we just walked through. Um, how do you get from I have an idea to a community of 20, 30 people, you know, that are active and engaged and involved? Um, again, this is the route that I'm taking for for better or worse. I don't know if it's if it's going to work out. We'll see. Um, the second, I think, is when we covered in the, the first episode talking about the legal and financial challenges. Um, you know, that's a very real thing. And um, there's a camp out there I know that says just... Just do it, just go for it, you know, deal with, deal with those issues later when they come down the road. Um, I guess I'm a little more conservative in the approach of I, I wish I knew how to do it so that there wouldn't be headaches down the road. Um, but it's it's simply something that's, that's unknown right now. So um, those are two big ones. And then one actually that I'm working on, a third one, is understanding the DAO tooling landscape. Um, last year we just saw an explosion of tools and resources for DAOs. And there's a graphic that goes around uh, an image that has them categorized. Like, here's your treasury management tools that you can use. Here's one for information management. Here's governance. Um, so what I'm working on right now, because I've seen that dozens of times, that graphic. And it's like, I know the names, but I don't know who they all are. I don't know what the differences are. So one project I'm working on, one of the first public goods, um, I guess under the ceiling name that I'm putting together, is taking that graphic and uh, making an interactive version of that mm. where there's all those brands are linked out, but there's also like at least one to two sentences explaining what it is, maybe showing some differences between these tools. Because um, when you're starting a DAO, should you go with Charmverse or Wonderverse or um, Clarity? Like, how do you know which one's right for you? You can go and test them all out, but there's hundreds, there's dozens, if not hundreds of tools out there, and that's a very time consuming process. So at least, Getting a foothold on what that looks like because if you don't know, you don't know right now when it comes to DAO tools. So I would say that's a big challenge, and it's yeah, one that I'm for my own need, <laughs> one that I'm addressing.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Is that the one by Koopa Troopa? The graphic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one. Ooh, I've I've seen it too, and it's a year old too. So I mean, I think what I'm equally yeah. excited about what you're describing is just updating it with all the new tools that have launched since then. Um and then even maybe new categories that have emerged. Um, you know, before I started my DAO, I the consulting I was doing for people, a lot of it was very related to that graphic. I had my own uh kind of uh capability model for DAOs. Like what are the different capabilities you kind of need to put together to be able to have a DAO? So like governance and voting, treasury management, uh, collaboration tools, task management, maybe you know, a few other things that seemed like they were really common amongst DAOs. And I picked my favorites from each of those categories by evaluating them, kind of like you're describing. And that way I could tell people, hey, yeah, you know, for your needs, I would probably pick this one for this uh, you know, part of the process, this one for that part of the process. And that seemed really valuable to people. So um, I, I love to hear that that's something you're working on too. And I've also seen at least several, if not a, even more, people do something like that, for some reason they, they've they never really followed through to the point of maintaining it as a high quality resource over time. And that's a shame because I absolutely think that's a valuable resource. But what it's going to take is for someone, and maybe it's you and Celia, to not just do it once and then say, okay, now we're going to go do something else, but to, to actually maintain that over time, because that's absolutely a needed resource, right? People that are starting DAOs, because it's such a technology heavy Thing. It's not like starting a startup where you can just sit around in a garage and like build a build a physical thing together, right? You need all these technology tools to be a DAO, and so that it sounds like an invaluable resource. So I'm really excited to hear that you're working on that.
1: Yeah, I think that type of resource needs a community to keep it up because the DAO space is so disconnected. There's not like a central repository, or I mean, there are a number of them out there but they're all a little bit different. And so knowing what tools are available, you just gotta like be on Twitter, I guess, and be following the right people most of the time to figure out or to know like what, yeah. what the new tools and what the new resources are. So it it takes a community to keep that um, uh, updated um, and, and active and helpful for people. And I think there's a couple of ways that that can evolve is um, uh, keeping them, it sounds like you did this, maybe like certain tool sets for certain types of DAOs, you know, what a social DAO may need, what an investment DAO may need, so on and so forth. And then I think down the road kind of getting to this uh, point of best practices um, for setting up and establishing a DAO because it's very murky right now um, and everyone does it differently. So you don't want to infringe and like try to, you know, force people to to set up a DAO a certain way, of course, but for someone who's coming in for us to enable mass adoption of this technology. And I think for the DAO ideals um, around the world, like there's gotta be starting points. And right now, um starting a DAO is intimidating and scary so um, hopefully this 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 guide will be a a launching point and then find ways i think to just simplify that and make it more accessible for people to to start a DAO, no matter their their level of web 3
0: knowledge Yeah, that's awesome. So speaking of tools, one of the questions I like to ask all all my guests is, do you have a favorite or just a fun, exciting new tool that you've seen recently that you think would be fun to share with everyone?
1: Um, I've actually kind of avoided that until I go through that process of um, digging into the DAO tooling and building that out. Um, I've been playing around a bit with Charmverse. um, So I guess I'll put that one out there. Um, I like how it's very similar to Notion. I love Notion um, and, and Charmverse is very similar, but um, it's built uh, for dials and mind. So I think that would probably be top of my list right now. Cool.
0: Yeah. Charmverse is very cool. I, I'm very impressed by how they seem to have duplicated or recreated almost all of Notion's features In a short amount of time with a small group of people. So they must be just like brilliant engineers um, putting that thing together. So I haven't used it extensively, but I just, I mean, Notion's been around for so long. It's a huge team that builds it. So um, yeah, I was also really impressed to see what Charmverse seems to have done so far. And I'm excited to play around with it more at some point. Um, what about in the DAOs that you've seen, you know, once they address some of these challenges that DAOs face early on, have you seen any common challenges that DAOs have faced in their later stages or that you've heard people talk about DAOs facing in their later stages that you think we'll, we'll all have to figure out how to address?
1: Yeah, I think one that I see or have seen pretty commonly is, um, a point that I mentioned earlier, uh, I figured it was earlier this week or earlier in, in this this episode here, but um, having that clear pathway, almost like a constitution, if I can put it that way, for a DAO. Um, you know, the Constitution of the United States laid out at least the basic framework of government and it's all been spawned out of that. Um, rare is the DAO that I've seen that has some sort of constitution. Um, and I realize it would be a living document. It would need to be a living document since DAOs are a constantly evolving um concept in every DAO is constantly evolving itself. You know, there's a couple meta layers there to it. Um, but having at least that framework so that people who are coming in, I think especially to this speaks to the point of mass adoption or getting it beyond the Web3 world. Um having that constitution gives the rules of governance, gives a roadmap for members, so then they're looking at this DAO and they're considering joining. Um, they I think people want to know like what are the rules? Um and how can I get involved? What's it gonna look like if I get involved? How much time is required of me before I can become a level one member? How much um, time do I need to put in before I can start earning tokens? Um, and just making that really clear because oftentimes with DAOs, uh, you read the website, you like it or you're on their Twitter and then you go to the Discord and there's a couple few you know welcome screens on Discord, then you're just dropped in. And oftentimes, again, you're in the deep end of the pool. So I, I think a, a common, I guess challenge for DAOs would be to have that organizational foundation that underpinning um, so that it's it continuously growing to reach more and more outsiders, people who aren't familiar with it, people who aren't even familiar with Web3 to come into it um, and know what they're getting into.
0: Yeah, I love that point. And it reminds me of, of maybe a corollary, which is, you know, I think a lot of people, when they imagine a decentralized organization, they, they, again, we talked about this earlier, and I think in the earlier episode, too, you know, they think about a lack of hierarchy. And for some reason, they also then think about a lack of structure overall. Like it should just be like this purely fluid, everyone jump in, do whatever you want. We'll figure it out as we go. But I think actually the opposite is true. If you want to be, if you want to not have a lot of hierarchy, you actually need to have a lot of structure in certain ways. And I think a constitution or some kind of guiding core document that expresses certain like structure, processes, guidelines, mission, vision, values, you know uh w- ways of operating all this stuff i think that's actually really important because then because you don't have someone on top saying this is how we're going to do things so that everything we do actually adds up to more than the sum of the parts right instead you need something like a document or a structure or a process to make that happen
1: yeah decentralized should not mean disorganized yeah i <laughs> would uh, argue the more organization the more processes um, in a DAO, the more autonomous it actually is, Good the more you can just run. Got to have that foundation um, in place, and I think that's mm. because of Web 3s attracted people that uh, are not big fans of traditional institutions. So our inherent dislike of those, um, we, we, we kind of want to stay away from doing anything looks like traditional institution. But I think that you know that there is that hybrid model, and having that organization would actually. Yeah, go a long ways.
0: Yep, totally. So what about if someone approached you on the street today and said, hey, Nathan, I recognize you from the DAO world. Uh, I'm thinking about starting a DAO. What's the number one piece of advice that you have for me uh, as I go about this journey?
1: Uh, find find five to ten people that have a pretty significant um, interest and ability to commit as well. Um yeah. Going back to that, that invitation, and that challenge, find people who at least sit down with you and, and determine what, what y'all can begin doing together. That's your starting point.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, then that will dictate how the rest of it comes together.
0: Cool. Any favorite DAOs or DAOs that you think are, are good for people to check out who may be new to the space?
1: Um, yeah, I've been spending a good bit of time lately researching cabin, uh, cabin DAO. Um, Uh, cabin.city is their website and they are building, um, uh, co-living spaces, uh, across different neighborhoods. I think they have two right now, one in Austin, one out West somewhere, I forget where. Um, but co-living spaces being organized as a DAO and, um, they are, um, doing a lot of work to bring DAOs into, into the, into the real world, so to speak, putting tangential, um, Aspects of it and you know, living in a house is, is very tangential, that's very real. So, to join a DAO to gain access to co living to help build up then this, what will be a global network of co living places. Um, I really like how they're bringing the ideas of DAOs into the real world and not trumpeting too hard, I guess, about using Web3 technology. Um, they're making it really accessible and really available. Like, you can go live in one of these co living places without joining the DAO, but. I would think if you probably go live there and hang out with a bunch of Web3 people, you're probably going to end up joining the DAO. So they're making it really accessible um, on a lot of different fronts. And I'm I'm a big fan of that in general.
0: That's cool. And it seems like a really good fit for Web3 because um, I meet so many people that are uh, digital nomads that either don't even have like a home base apartment or house, or they just don't spend a lot of time there. They really try to travel all over the world. And especially it's like the big conferences and gatherings and hackathons. And it seems like in crypto, partially because we're spread out all over the world, even within our own teams, our own DAOs, if we're ever going to see each other, it's going to be by traveling um, and going to these events. And so I mean, I could just imagine some of these people that I know would love to just bounce from, you know, cabin to cabin around the world, rather than having their own place to live all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, sign me up for it. I'm there. Awesome. (laughs) I would love that. It's tough for me because I have a dog and I love my dog so much. And, you know, maybe I could figure out how to be a digital nomad with a dog. And and I just haven't put enough thought into it. But right now, even though I do travel about once a month, I I try to minimize it because I like to be home with my dog. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I know it's been done. Um, yeah. I think the size of the, the, the vehicle that you're you're in traveling in is, is probably pretty
0: important the more bodies you have in it. <laughs> good point, good point. All right, awesome. Well, Nathan, this has been amazing. Um, thank you so much for sharing your experience and insights and advice uh, with our audience of people starting DAOs. Uh, where can people find you and your project on the web and on social?
1: Uh, yeah, find me on Twitter at Nathan B. Phillips. And Celium is on Twitter as well at CeliumDAO, C-E-L-I-U-M-D-A-O. And uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. That's the best place to find me. Are,
0: are you looking for people who are interested to reach out and, and say, hey, I might want to join your DAO or?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the more the merrier. Um, anybody who has interest in, uh, across the different fronts, um, there's a lot of challenges. I have some really big ideas and... All hands on deck, yeah.
0: Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at 0xThriller. MyDAO is at MyDAODS, that's M-I-D-A-O-D-S or MyDAO.org. Again, uh, Nathan, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a real pleasure having you.
1: Well, thank you, Adam.
0: And are you thinking about starting a DAO? Just DAO it. Just Dow It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Just Dow It does not contain any legal or financial advice. My Dow also does not provide legal or financial advice, and nor does your host. Yours truly.